Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy, Sandy Weiner, and I am the founder of lastfirstdate.com. I am a dating coach for women over 40. I'm also a communications expert and a relationship expert. And I want to thank you for joining us here today. Last First Date Radio is a show about achieving healthy, off-the-charts love in the second half of life. We have a fabulous show coming up for you today. I'm going to be speaking with author Karen Bajaj, about how long-term sabbaticals can spark tremendous growth in a relationship. As a dating coach, I specialize in helping women date as the high-value women that they are in every other part of their lives because when a woman knows her true worth, she attracts her most aligned partner. And um, most women who come to me are amazing. They're successful. They are they are really doing amazing work out in the world, and they just struggle with this one thing called relationships. And that's why I created a free guide to help men and women to overcome some of the biggest dating mistakes that we make without even knowing them. And to grab a copy, if you haven't already, just go over to lastfirstdate.com and sign up on my homepage, and you'll get a free guide where I explain the top three mistakes that midlife daters make and how you can turn them around and find lasting love. And if you are a single woman over 40, I also invite you to join my Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. And... It is a fantastic group growing every day. We have about 330 members now. And you can go there and get really positive support from the wonderful members of the group and from me because I monitor the group very closely. So if you would like to get additional support, just go to Facebook groups and go to Your Last First Date. I want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, Audible. Audible is a fantastic service. If you haven't tried it yet, you really should. I love to listen to books on tape. They just help you to read more because we are in a busy world. And um, if you would like to try out Audible, if you've never tried it before, you will get one free book and a free month trial of the service. So go to audibletrial.com forward slash last first date and grab your free book. And now for our guest. His name is Karan Karen Bajaj. Sorry if I'm butchering this name. And he is a number one best-selling Indian novelist with more than 200,000 copies of his novels in print. Both of his books have been optioned into major films. His first novel, The Yoga of Max's Discontent, is going to be published by Random House on May 3rd. And the book called Siddhartha of Our Generation by the Daily Telegraph was inspired by Karan's one-year sabbatical traveling from Europe to India by road and learning yoga and meditation in the Himalayas, which is really cool that he took a year off of his corporate job. So I'd like to welcome Karen to our show right now. Hi, Karen. Hello. Thank you for having me. 
thanks for coming on. So tell us a little bit about that sabbatical. It's uh, You went with your wife, correct? Yes, uh, now wife, then girlfriend. Okay, and, so what, yes, yeah. what inspired you to take a year off? Uh, a lot of different things came together. One was... Uh, uh, so at, at a broader level, I'm at a 414 kind of a model that I follow in which I work for four years and then I take a year off. Then I work for four years and take a year off. So I've been doing that over the last decade. And I basically found that time to be uh, uh, like in the in the four years that I'm working, I'm very goal driven and uh, work very hard and with a lot of discipline. But in this, in this year, i goalless and drift a little and I think I've found that the balance of tightness and slackness is leading to a lot of excellence in various aspects of my life you know be it my writing or my job so I've kind of tried to systemize that um, and, and with each year that we take off we uh, in, in between these four year periods we have a little bit of an intention but we don't have a very clear plan so in this year our intention was to learn uh, to stop dabbling in yoga and meditation because we've been dabbling for many years, but to really kind of get a deep dive by living in an ashram and learning it. Um, and, and, then, and, and then the other thrust was to try to become more creative by making decisions out of more intuition and spontaneity. And part of that decision was that when we would go to India, we would go by road from Europe to India and not have a single plan. We would like make every plan on the fly. And and the whole idea was that we would end up with some more spontaneity in our decision making that way. Mm. So I read your New York Times article about um, what that year was like, and uh, there was a, there were a lot of hardships. I mean, you slept on the on the forest floor. You you slept in in bus stops, and um, you know it was it was not easy. And I can't imagine coming from living in a corporate world and, and a cushy job to completely roughing it, that's quite a big change. Um, so how did you adjust to to all the dirt and um, discomfort? <laughs> you know, actually, Sunny, in, in some ways, this is a, a very conscious choice to spend this year typically in a lot of austerity and almost willful poverty because uh, what I found with that is that you end up deconstructing many notions of identity. And I think that's why I kind of like thought that it would be very interesting from a relationship perspective also that you get very, in a, in a very comfortable at, uh, environment, you get very attached to your preferences. And, you know, I like green juices and I like vegetarian food at a physical level. And then I'm this kind of a person, I'm that kind of a person. You get very fixed in your notion of who you are. And I think the power of this austerity or willful poverty, if you will, is that you decondition all these notions about yourself. Because you start to learn very viscerally that if you can survive very comfortably in some form by living on the on the floor of an ashram for three four months and having cold showers in the mountains in the Himalayas, then you really don't have as many layers of um, who you are as you think you do. Like you are quite like uh, free in that way. Which uh, so so I almost like consciously inculcate that every four years because otherwise you get very fixed about yourself and your uh, and and this just kind of like uh, unpacks you a lot in that way. Yeah, it's a really interesting concept. Um, I think that people do get very very fixed. Um, in fact, I married a man who was highly creative, and 
I thought that our lives would be really creative and really fun because I'm a creative person also. Mm. And it turned out that he was a person who loved routine and didn't like deviating from his routine. And I'm divorced from him now, and I still see, like, when he when he gets attached to a routine, he just wants to keep doing it. And um, I'm not like that at all. And so I like relationships where there is something surprising every once in a while when you mix things up. And I think, you know, I had a guest on once who talked about how to spice up your sex life. And she talked about these little adventures and um, sort of making making adventure, building adventure into your relationship um, where there's that element of surprise and it's not always the same. So I think there's there's tremendous value in mixing things up and getting out of your comfort zone. Exactly, yeah. Because I think being outside the comfort zone, you 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 just deconstruct your own notions of I like this routine, I like that routine. You're just living together in that moment and being very spontaneous together. And I think you start, as a result, you start understanding the other person more three-dimensionally as well. Mm. Versus so in the you... comfort of your routine, you don't, I guess you just don't understand the full scope of that person, if you will. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's an interesting idea. I think we, we often put people in a box, Um Somebody I was just talking to the other day, and she yeah. said, you know, people, without listening to you really carefully and figuring out who you are, they think that you are something. They kind of label you as something because of the elements of who you are. But we're we're all more than just the what's what's seen on the outside. And it's easy to get into a rut, especially if you have a family and a full-time job, and, and life can be very routine. I mean, it's it's um, it's hard for a lot of people to to break routine. Um, yeah. So yeah, I like what you said about the three dimensional. Um, so yeah, you recommend that that all couples take a sabbatical. And then, and so tell us, what are some of the advantages? You know, you you mentioned the three dimensional and being able to see people in a in a new way. What are some other ways that that this could help a couple? Yeah, and I'll give my own example uh, with my girlfriend and I going on a sabbatical together. uh, uh, We uh, we talked a little bit about the three-dimensional way, but I ended up respecting her resilience a lot as we were going from Europe to India by road and we went through pretty tough circumstances. I think you saw, I I just saw how resilient she was, right? And that was almost an eye-opener for me because in our life in New York, we don't have those tough experiences at all. And then uh, once we were in India... We were living in an ashram, so in India, in an ashram, men and women are separated. So for almost a three-month period, we didn't have much physical contact apart from like being in yoga together or doing meditation together. But we never had like true physical contact, right? And 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 I don't know. Like I think that three-month um, break uh, and the ensuing silence as a result, you I, you just kind of like appreciate and understand what your partner brings to your life uh, in a, in a in a way so i think all these environments which are tough and difficult and outside your zone help you uh, just like like you know appreciate your partner in many many different ways and then the mm-hmm. other thing also is that you when you are on the road alone and that's why i like like the benefit of a sabbatical for a relationship in a sense you end up taking care of each other 
because um, you're the only two people in the world who know each other for extended periods of time. So there is no third person that you can seek solace from. And I think in that kind of spirit of complete vulnerability with each other, because you can't wear a mask for that entire duration, you'll be in environments where yourself will reveal itself and both of yourselves will reveal itself. And I think that like slipping off all masks from each other, understanding each other's vulnerability, being the only two people in the world, almost your whole world shrinks to the two of you for a period of time. And you're like, you know, in Bulgaria, for instance, for three weeks, I would don't, I would, neither of us know, knows a soul in Bulgaria, but in places like that. And I think that really, again, all of these things just deepen the relationship in a way that you can never do in a comfortable environment at home. So this is not just a sabbatical. You're you're recommending that people take a sabbatical way out of their comfort zone, someplace where they're going to do things that are really different. Because people can take sabbaticals and, you know, go live in, in luxury somewhere. Do you think they would get yeah. a similar benefit? No, I don't th- no, when I meant a sabbatical, I meant it in context of, uh, like, I, when I think of sabbatical, I think of a sabbatical from your mind almost, not a sabbatical in your physical environment. Uh, so not a change in the physical environment, but almost a dissolution of your mind, which means that you are just breaking all layers of physical and emotional identity. So I meant, like, really being outside your zone is how I define a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, because otherwise, like, you know, and uh, we just kind of change your physical location. You're not taking, truly taking a vacation from your mind. And this is really a, de- a deconstruction of your mind. So I, I, so in that context, yes, a sabbatical, which has some level of, and it could be tough, is not, I think I've described a lot of physical hardship here, but I meant also, uh, for instance, if you're doing a silent meditation retreat together for a week, right, that's again uh uh, that's again a, like a very shared experience that you'll go through in which both of you will unravel a lot of things about yourself. So again, that's also an example in which it's not physically tough, but it's very mentally and emotionally tough and you're going through that shared experience together. Mm. So a lot of people would say, I can't take a year off. Um, that's too much. Um, so you mentioned a week off. Is that Would that give you... A similar benefit if you did that every once in a while in your relationship? Uh, yes, absolutely. I, so I know an entrepreneur who's extremely busy, can't take a year off, but is doing a 717 model in which he takes works for seven weeks, takes a week off, and then does seven weeks and takes a week off. And he's found the practice so beneficial for his work and his life that he's made it now a mandate for his like 10-employee company that everybody does that. So we, like hmm. I think a lot of people are discovering the benefits of this like the tightness and then like suddenly having the slack, if you will. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I think that week of like silence, reduction uh, no, reduction of noise, and also some, as I said, some activity that takes your, that dissolves your kind of existing state. And that could be meditation or it could be a creation vacation in which you both are creating something uh, other than like, so like if you've never written your writing or you're like, you know, creating art or you're doing some kind of a creation that also I would count as the same because, again, it's dissolving an old habit pattern and replacing it with the new. And, mm-hmm. and I think that opens up the space, the silence, and uh, just uh, allows you to, A, have a shared experience, understand each other in that shared experience, and understand each other in a context that you don't know before. Mm-hmm. So had you ever taken a sabbatical with a different girlfriend, not the, the one that you went away with and who became <laughs> your wife? 
Not really. <clears throat> no, no. I've taken some solo sabbatical. Like I've I've done three sabbaticals. So two of them have been solo, and one has been with my girlfriend who became a wife. Apart from you know small things, small vacations here and <clears throat> there, but not really a full sabbatical. Mm-hmm. And you don't have children, I'm imagining. And now I do. I have a 18 month old and a one week a one month old. Oh wow! And, uh, and <laughs> we are planning our next sabbatical with them. You know, so we are uh, like in about 18 more months. We'll. Uh, it'll be a little different and intense, so it won't be Europe to India by road. But we do want to do something. We are constructing something similar by spending four months in an orphanage in Cambodia, then four months in Spain as a family learning. So, so we're just trying to construct the same thing again, but in a more stationary way. Like, But four months in very different environments outside our zone. That's the same, with the same intent. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was wondering, because it's, Definitely a lot more complicated with children, too. No, absolutely, I agree. But the thing is that you start building the muscle, you know, like it gets even more complicated when they'll be in school going age. And so I think Mm -hmm. it keeps getting more and more complicated. So I think my going in assumption is that when I did it solo, also it was complicated to take a leave from my job and do it. But I learned something from that experience. And then we did it as a couple. So you, you kind of like, I guess, slowly start building that muscle. And accepting that there'll be like inconveniences and discomfort and uh, and hardships, but then you realize that there is a lot of upside from the whole experience. Mm-hmm. So the thing that I have a hard time wrapping my head around is the the um, the long period of time in between the sabbaticals. That you know, is there during that time period? Do you have periods of time where you do take time for mindful meditation and um, other things that add to your relationship because it but it sounds like right now is that you work hard you you have this crazy you know busy life for four years and then you take this amazing year off and it's a completely shifted different experience and then you go back to the the rut of of real life so, so tell tell us a little bit about how your life really plays out no, it's a, yeah, it sounds like that, but uh, I like at a microcosm, I try to do the same things. But again, what I feel is that uh, that like my tank comes very full after the sabbatical, and then the world slowly starts like you know it starts to deplete over the four-year period. But I do have practices like we do try to meditate uh, at least in the night before we sleep. Like both of us have our independent practices, and we do try to do that. But uh, mornings have become obviously with like two very young kids, it's become mm-hmm. extremely variable. Um, and and yes, I think what what happens is that we have some practices, we have date nights, all that usual stuff, but uh, which keep us going. But but I, but I think that that sense of complete deep connection and truly understanding each other, like at a very very sincerest, deepest, most like profound level, I think that's what the sabbatical does. So I think you need a like you can't just be totally off balance in your four years, you know. Uh, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, but like you need to have uh, some level of things going and then but this year just deepens your whole connection mm. yeah yeah that that sounds sounds amazing um yeah. you know as a as a the I'm a Jewish woman and I have I grew up keeping the sabbath most of my life and mm-hmm. it reminds me a little bit of that where yeah. um in the orthodox tradition we stop working we we don't work we don't talk on the phone we don't go on the computer um and it's a time for reconnecting with family and um connecting with friends and 
Um, you can't cook. You can't do a lot of things. So it's kind of getting back to nature. And um, it's an interesting thing. I think a lot of religions have a Sabbath, but they don't all have strict constructs around it. Um, but I, I think the idea of you don't create um, anything during during that day, that it's it's a time to rest. Um, and I think we don't rest enough in this world today. Yeah. I think yeah. more than anything, we, we need time to regenerate. Um, and I think however you're going to do it, is it's a good idea. Yes, I agree. And what I've seen with my writing is that uh, during the four years that I do write after my corporate job and stuff, I write with a lot of discipline. I write three days a week or and then I write on the weekend for four hours. So I'm very disciplined about my writing, but the uh-huh. the workman-like nature and the discipline shows in my writing. And then the leaps of transcendence almost, or a touch of divinity, all of that appears during this year off, even when I'm not consciously setting any goals for myself that I have to write every day or this or that, or I have any routine at all. Uh, like, I, like, I, like in this last sabbatical year of India by road, we, I didn't write at all up in the Himalayas in the ashram, I barely wrote a couple of hours here and there. And then I wrote in a huge burst in four months living in a village in Portugal. Uh, and and so, so it's been very ad hoc. And, uh, and But I've seen that those are the bursts of like almost transcendence that I can't even recognize in my writing right now. But like when I read my novel now, uh, and like when I look at the reviews and stuff and the, and the sections that people are like raving about, I don't think I could write them now that they didn't even come from me in this state at all. And I think that, to your point, that sabbath or that that period of uh, complete slack in which you haven't, like, uh, like in which you're still creating, so it's not like you are forcing yourself not to create, but you're not creating with any outcome in mind, any goal in mind, leads to, mm-hmm. I think, some kind of, like, almost mystical power in your work. Yeah. No, I think that that whole idea of of releasing and really accessing something deep within is just so important and so many people yeah. don't know how to do it and yeah. a lot of people never get there. Yeah. So that's that's been a goal of mine as well. I I um since my divorce I've done a lot of work in mindfulness and also in mm-hmm. being able to access my highest self, mm-hmm. my you know, my by just also allowing play and yeah. um you know just that inner child to come out which yeah. i do through painting um and sometimes through writing but painting dance improvisation just just totally yeah. letting go you know um, i think that's wonderful yeah yeah no it's and it's something i work with clients on as well it's just to get back to that state because so many people are so uptight and I find, especially in the clients that I work with who are over 50, most of them, they've spent a lot of time being guarded around the opposite sex. They are, um, you know, they they do really well in their high-functioning jobs, which, you know, you're describing, you know, being able to be goal-oriented and, and super analytical and strategic planning. And then when it comes to romance and dating, it's, not the same thing, and you have to be able to to let go and be playful and and be curious and not try to control the outcome and you know and that's that's where the shift takes place so that's that's been a huge part of the work I do mm, interesting, very interesting yeah, so tell us what were the some of the biggest challenges and struggles you had when you were on the road as a couple 
Um, I, I think we saw that our evolution happened through the course of the journey. In the, I think we just started with not understanding each other that well. So, for instance, I would love physical endurance just almost like you know like sleeping not sleeping in the night and then hiking for 20 miles or something and uh like and you know uh that would be like i i i thought that my girlfriend was equally interested because she never complained but then i realized the toll it was taking on her sort of a thing so you you just started to kind of like understand each other at a more subtle level and our communication at a more subtle level and 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 just start to respect things like that. So we, so we we went through a lot of like endurances in this way, and then like as I said, living in an ashram separately uh, for a, for a few months, and you start to see that lack of physical contact, how it starts to wear on your relationship. Um, so so yeah, so things like so there were a lot of these kind of struggles, and I think what I noticed was that as we got deeper and deeper into the sabbatical, our ability to reach read each other's subtle, non-verbal, intangible signs became very, very high. So I think that's what I would call a deepening connection where you can just sense the other person and keep them in your mind. Uh, like it just becomes very integrated in your thought process to think of the other person mm-hmm. versus acting and waiting for their reaction. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, like you almost melt melt into one one kind of entity, you know, during the course of this like uh, journey outside your zone because you're going through it together, and it's just you two, and like the whole world shrinks to the two of you going through these experiences. So those sound like like the good things, not the challenge. I mean, yeah. so the challenges were really in the lack of understanding you had in the beginning. Yeah. But yeah. then sensing each other over time that you really got to feel what she needed and she felt what you needed and you um it was much more melded together correct exactly but yeah the beginning was full of like like i just give you one example but there were so many such examples where there was a period that i didn't want to write but she read hello hmm I am not hearing Karen anymore. Not sure what happened. Um, well, we'll wait for him to come back on. And in the I'm meantime, I'm back on. If, Something oh, happened. You're good. Oh, good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So you were saying um, in the beginning um, something about. Uh, were you talking about your writing? No, you were yes, I, I, just as examples oh, okay. of like we had these very strong notions of what each of us individually wanted to, I guess, accomplish, and there was conflict around that. And I think as you went along, you just went, uh, I, I, you just like went more into a collective. Okay. So yeah. Okay, um, so we have a few minutes left. Um, so tell us the so the positive impacts were that you became more melded together. You you know you became closer any other any other positives that you felt happened through the sabbatical no i think we covered all of them now we have two kids and i felt that uh we've just been through so much together that really the having two two very young kids and and like the small kind of modern frustrations and all that stuff don't mean anything at all like we're just very connected with each other and are able to read each other very subtly that's great 
So yeah. no no sweating the small stuff then. <laughs> no, exactly because yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think when you go through any any struggle together, if you still stay together and you grow from it, that it really yes. helps you to really put the world into perspective. Um, yeah. Um, so if somebody wanted to go on a sabbatical, like where, give can you give us some resources as to how they might get started? Yeah, I have I have a lot of details on my own website if if somebody wants to visit there. But uh, in general, I think like I always recommend creation kind of uh, vacations or meditation vacation. Like uh, and and creation vacations means artist retreats. If you could go to an artist retreat together, which is a softer way to start. Uh, then I think of like uh, silence vacations, if you will, which is like meditation and all that stuff, which is also very accessible to many people. And then uh, I also think like tough physical hiking vacations and stuff. Like all of these are activities that take you out of your comfortable environments. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, I have a ton of like ideas on my website as well on this stuff, yeah. All right. So I'll give a link to your website um, on my blog. Um so in the last minute, can you give a quick, um, just a quick telling about your new novel, The Yoga of Max's Discontent? So The Yoga of Max's Discontent is released by Random House on May 3rd in the U.S. And uh, it's got like fabulous reviews if if you ever search it. And uh, it's about uh, it's about an investment banker who becomes a yogi in the Himalayas. And it's both a journey of very, very tremendous inner transformation, but also a very page-turning adventure through hidden India. So if you have any kind of interest in an adventure story which is set in India and through very unfamiliar environments, this is a very, very good read. Awesome. Well, I've read a lot of books by Indian authors that I've absolutely loved. Um, I find yeah. the, whole culture, the whole culture to be so fascinating. Um, and I uh, wish you good luck in, in the new release. And thank you for being on the show today. Oh, um, thank you, Sandy. Thank you. So just to give a shout-out to where people can find you, um, I will be posting it, as I said, but just um, just tell us where we can reach you. Uh, my website is www.karanbajaj, K-A-R-A-N-B-A-J-A-J.com. And if you go to dot com slash yoga max, you can also get some lovely pre-order gifts like a meditation course, a yoga flow course, a nutrition guide, which we're giving along with the book in the same spirit of transformation. Awesome. Well, thank you, Karen, for being on the show. Best of luck to you. And thank you all for listening today. And I hope you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Thank you, Sally. 